Well, hey, friend, today we're going to climb on top of a mountain with Moses and explore who God is. Hey friend, I hope your 2022 has started well. Hopefully you downloaded those three apps we talked about last episode and you're using those to um, pray the Bible, to get in just some good prayer in the mornings, and also just to listen to scripture. So if you miss that episode, it's uh, last episode, you can check that out. And uh, it was called Three Bible Loving Apps. So today we're going to talk about um, who God is. So one of the goals of the Love Your Bible podcast is to get you to love your Bible more because when you love your Bible, you will love God, serve people, and live a life that matters. So one of the goals of helping you love your Bible is to see who God is through the Bible because the more you see God, then the more you're actually going to love your Bible because your Bible is about God. And when you see God, you're not going to be disappointed. Like God's not something that is overhyped. And then you're like, ah, yeah, well, now that I've actually got to know him, he's not that great. Right. Like um, I'll talk to people and they'll say, you know, what we try to do is undersell and over deliver. So we don't hype it up, but then we really try to over deliver so that when you actually get the product, you're like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, well, God, you don't have to worry about over promising and then under delivering. You can over promise because he will over deliver. Like if you experience who God is, if you really get to know him uh, through his word and in relationship with him, guess what? You will be shocked at how amazing he is, how great he is. I promise you will not be let down, okay? He's not like a bad blind date where somebody says, oh, my friend is awesome. And then you go out with a friend and you're like, yeah, you lied to me. He was not that great, right? That's not God. God's not a bad blind date. He is more than you could ever dream of. He's more than I could ever explain. And so just get into your Bible and go with the desire to see God, So I want to go to an Old Testament passage that really just shows us the goodness and glory of who God is. So we're going to go to Exodus chapter 34, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 4, and we're going to go 4 through 7. And this is, it's one of the central places in the Old Testament where we find who God is, what he's done, and then the great problem Uh, between us and God and how God makes us right with him without messing up the cosmos and his justice. Okay, so this is a big passage. So let's just uh, start out with a little bit of context. So Moses is on the mount. He's on Mount Sinai, and God is giving him the law. He's going to bring down the the two tablets with the the ten laws on them, the ten commandments. He's going to bring them down to the people along with some other laws. So there's that covenant moment where God's brought them out of Egypt. He's giving them his word. He's entering a covenant with them. And so on this mountain, 
Well, we'll just pick up the story. It says this in verse 4. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai. So I want you to imagine like you're going with Moses, you're up on Mount Sinai, and you're observing what's happening. We'll continue reading. As the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two stone tablets, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Okay, so just get this picture, like God is showing up to Moses, and he is proclaiming the name of the Lord. He's proclaiming his name to Moses, and we're going to see, he not only tells him his name, but who he is, what he's like, and the gospel. Okay, so verse 6 says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So let's just, that that is a huge, mind-blowing verse about God. And remember who's speaking. God is telling Moses who he is. So let's start with the name of God. It's He says, the Lord, the Lord. Now, we haven't had this on the podcast, but you probably have heard of this. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, you can read it for yourself. But we have, of course, God calling Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses is like, um, I need to tell them who sent me, so what's your name? And God shows up in a burning bush and says, I am who I am. (laughs) It's like, what's your name? I am. Like, I exist, period. Like, I am outside of eternity. I created all things. I'm the creator. I'm not bound or defined by anything. I define myself. I am the great I am. So um, the Hebrew people would put that together and just say, Lord, okay, that's Yahweh. So when you see Lord, all caps in your Bible, means Yahweh, and it is I am who I am, okay? So God is showing up, the Lord, the Lord. So the great I am, who is defined by no one, who defines everything, he goes on and says, a God merciful and gracious. So think about that for a moment. So here's who God is. What's his character? What's he like? What's his disposition? Well, he's a God merciful and gracious. Like That is a really, really good thing to remember about God. The first thing he tells Moses is he is full of mercy and grace. He is a God of mercy and grace. And we are a people that need mercy. As most of you know, Mayfield and Marshall were hit by a tornado. And so you have people that have lost their homes. They've lost all of their things. And what they need is mercy. And so you had all these different mercy ministries that came into town from A Days of Hope to Samaritan's Purse to all these different people who are coming and giving mercy. They're picking up. They're giving good. You have people all over the country who are bringing things because here's the people that are needy now. They need mercy. They need mercy ministries. They need people to come to their low estate and give them things because they don't have anything. And here we find in a real spiritual sense that we are needy. We need mercy. We need God to be merciful. He needs to fill us because we are empty. But he's not only merciful, he's also gracious. 
He's filled with mercy and grace. Grace it means he gives us what we don't deserve. We deserve his wrath and his judgment, and he gives us his love. He gives us forgiveness, which is unbelievable. So here's God. He's merciful and gracious, but also he's slow to anger. Like That is a really good thing about God, that he's slow to anger because Man, when I read the news, when I just look at how the world's going, I'm like, if God was quick to anger, we would all be done for, right? Like, I often think, like, if I'm God, I'm zapping a lot more people than God does, right? Because just I would be so angry. Uh, You probably know people who have a short fuse. Maybe you have a short fuse, and you're quick to anger. You're quick to judgment. You're quick to react. That's not God. God has got a long wit. God is slow to anger. But then it says, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So you've got this death. He's slow to anger. He does get angry. Sin angers God, but it is a slow, it is a slow building anger that is not quick, but it is slow. But then he is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Like, that means that that's, that's just his nature. That's what he does. He is, he is quick. He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. God is love, according to 1 John. So we have God. His natural reaction to everything is steadfast love and faithfulness. His natural reaction to you is steadfast love and faithfulness. It's not wrath. It's not judgment. No, he's slow to those things. He's slow to anger. But his, his heart goes out to us with steadfast love and faithfulness. Think about faithfulness. What does that mean? It means that, that God doesn't break a promise. Think about how many promises you have broken. Think about how many promises you've been promised that somebody else broke and it led to all sorts of tragedy. God is a promise keeper. He's not a promise breaker. The things he promises to us will come true. He is a faithful God, and his promises are based not on our faithfulness, but on his faithfulness, which is really, really good news. Verse 7 says this, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And most interpreters would say that means thousands of generations. So he's keeping steadfast love with thousands of generations, basically meaning forever, like it's, it's ongoing. It never ends, his steadfast love. And then we get this line, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Those are three words, iniquity, transgression, and sin. That, that's all those wrong things we do and all the things we know we should do that we don't do. Like all that's included in that. We sin and fall short of the glory of God. We do it every day, most of the day. Like we think wrong, we act wrong, we have wrong motivations. And what does it say? God forgives iniquity, transgression, and sins. He's a forgiving God. Here's a beautiful thing about God. God is a forgiver, which is really good news for us because we need forgiveness. So God is a forgiver. He forgives our sins, and that is the good news of the gospel. But, I'm reading here, but who will by no means clear the guilty. So so here we have a problem. So first of all, it says God is a forgiver. He forgives sins. But then it says he will by no means clear the guilty. In other words, the guilty sinners will pay for their sin. That sinners won't be cleared. They won't just be able to walk away. They won't get away with their sin, but instead they'll be punished. So God is both going to punish sin and forgive the sinner. Now, how in the world can this happen? 
And this had to be a mystery to the people of Israel. It had to be a mystery to Moses. Okay, how are you going to forgive me and also hold me accountable to my sin? Well, we see this beautifully at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of what we call substitutionary atonement. That Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. He died in our place for our sins so that this statement could be true, so that God could forgive us and also deal with our sin problem. See, on the cross, God didn't just sweep our sin away. He didn't just ignore it or overlook it. No, God poured his wrath out for our sin on Jesus Christ. See, for the wages of sin is death, so we owed God death. And God doesn't just say, well, I'm just going to forget that debt. No, instead, Jesus came forth as our perfect lamb. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we could become the righteous of God. That is the good news of the gospel. And Jesus, on the cross, he died and he was paying our debt. We owed God death. Jesus died under the wrath of God so that God could not clear the guilty, no punish the guilty but he punishes the guilty in his son Jesus so that in Jesus he can also forgive the guilty and they can live through death. That is the great news of the gospel. How does God forgive sinners and also punish their sin? He punishes their sin on Jesus so that the guilty pay for their sin, but it's not them, it's Jesus who pays their sin debt so that God can look on them and count them as righteous and forgiven. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. God doesn't just overlook sin. He deals with sin on the cross so that those who come to faith in Jesus, their sin is dealt with and they can receive the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God. That is the good news of the gospel. And notice it goes on to say, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So here we have this third and fourth generation that, yes, God is wrathful. Yes, God does um, exercise his justice to the third and the fourth generation. But notice what we've just heard, that God is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations. So you see the difference? Yes, God is He's He's giving his justice and wrath towards sinful man to the third and fourth generation. That's limited. That's short, but he's giving his steadfast love to the thousands of generations. It is what's natural to him. It's what he wants to do and longs to do. So, yes, the guilty who don't come to Christ, they will face the wrath of God, but but that's not what's most natural to God. What's most natural to God is his love and mercy and grace. That's what he wants Moses to know. I am a God, first and foremost, of mercy and grace and love and faithfulness and forgiving you of your sins. This is the good news of the gospel. This is who God is and what he has done for us. Now, I want to read a little section from Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. It's a great book. I think I've mentioned it here on the podcast before. But I want to read how he connects this text, Exodus 34, to Jesus. So we're going to end with these words. This is page 153 of Gentle and Lowly. Here's what uh, Dane Ortland writes. And now we begin to see why Jesus intended to pass by the disciples, struggling at the oars on the Sea of Galilee. 
So pause for a minute. So he's talking about when Jesus walks on water. Remember that scene? So Jesus passes by them, or he meant to pass by them, and Dane Orland's going to explain why that is true. I'll go on and read. It says this. The text says that he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. That's Mark 6, 48. Why would he intend to pass by them? The reason is that Jesus does not merely intend to pass by the disciples the way one car on the highway may pass by others. His passing by is far more significant and only understood against the Old Testament background. Four times in Exodus 33 through 34, the Lord says he will pass by Moses. The Septuagint uses the same word that Mark uses. The Lord passes by Moses and revealed that his deepest glory is seen in his mercy and grace. Jesus came to do in flesh and blood what God had only in wind and voice said in the Old Testament. And that is a great connection. Here we see God coming to Moses, passing by him, proclaiming his name. I'm the God who is merciful and gracious. And here we find Jesus with the disciples on a sea, meaning to pass by them, the one who is full of mercy, grace, and truth. See, in Jesus, we see who God is. He is a God slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, merciful and gracious. He is the God who forgives us while also dealing with our sin by taking our place on the cross. See, Jesus is the one who loves us and who comes after us. So who is God? That's who he is. It's his name. That's who he is. And that's what he does. So as you go to the Bible, understand you're reading about a God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. He is better than you could ever comprehend. So go to your Bible and read it because you're reading about a God who loves you and pours his mercy upon you and forgives you in Christ or wants to forgive you in Christ. So I urge you, if you're not in Christ, come to the Savior Come to him by faith and receive the forgiveness that only God can give. Because he is a God, yes, who does have anger, he does have wrath, but he's slowed anger. And wrath is not his natural state. No, love, steadfastness, grace, and mercy. That's who God is. Well, hey, friends, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, excursion up the mountain of Mount Sinai. So you thought it was just about laws. You thought Mount Sinai was just about laws and do nots and do this. But on the mountain, we see who God is, and he is a great and glorious God. And you know where else we find God? We find him in the Bible. So keep reading, read your Bible, have fun exploring who God is. And remember, you're not reading about a mean judge. You're reading about a loving father who loves you more than you can imagine. Hey, I'm hoping next week that we're going to get Hunter Bobo with So and Tether to come on the podcast. And uh, I'm going to get to interview him on um, how he loves his Bible and how he writes songs that are filled with biblical lyrics and and biblical imagery and point to the gospel. And I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. 
We're trying to work out the details to get that recorded. So hopefully um, next Thursday you'll get to hear uh, more of a long-form interview uh, with Hunter Bobo of So and Tether. Really, really excited about that. So make sure um, and tune in next week uh, to the episode. Um, until then, hey, go love your Bible. Because when you love your Bible, you will love God, serve people, and live a life that matters.